on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're going to talk about evidences for the existence of God. Jacob, we uh, are seeing a great increase in the number of atheists worldwide and in the United States as well. The basic understanding that there is a God is being challenged on lots of fronts. We want to talk about what are our proofs for the existence of God. All right. It's going to be a good, important study, and you'll want to be here. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study starts right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday november 16th 2017 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight good to be with you and uh, between the two of us anthony petrachko has joined us tonight we got a little panel going on tonight thank you for being here anthony no problem glad to be here all right, and uh, we've got Kyle behind the controls again. Kyle, thank you for being here. It's good to be here. And uh, there, Anthony doesn't have a mic. Now he does. All right. All right. Uh, so uh, we want to talk on about an important subject uh, tonight, and we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, in the chat room if you're watching us live tonight. Uh, and uh, you probably uh, have increasingly as well uh, known of people who have begun to question and deny the fact that there is a God. Uh, how do you answer those folks, and how do you deal with that? Uh, we want to hear from you on the program tonight. It is an important topic. Even even among those who have been brought up to believe in God, we've known of several instances of young people who have grown up to a point maybe later in their teenage years or early 20s where we've known of some, unfortunately, who've abandoned faith in God so they don't believe in God anymore. Which makes me think that we're probably not doing a good enough job talking about this subject. That's a good point. That even some of our own young people have have lost their faith or decided that they don't believe or not convinced that there is a God. Now, we think actually that the proof is overwhelming that there is a God. Maybe we need to be talking about it more. So that's the the justification for a program tonight. Maybe to get started tonight, you maybe you might send your ideas in as to why you believe this is apparently a growing phenomenon. It's always been a problem, but. Uh, why do you think that the time that we live in now, we're maybe seeing an a, a increase in those who are denying the existence of God? And you have some questions for us to consider as well. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me give you a couple of stats before we get to the questions, Jacob. Uh, uh, from the BaptistNews.com, the number of atheists in the United States has roughly doubled since 2007. It's not that high a percentage. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, only 3.1% of the adult population, according to Pew Research in America, says that they are atheist. But Pew Research also found that the number of identified agnostics has ridden, risen from 2.4 to 4% between 2007 and 2014. So the numbers are still seemingly rather low. Gallup poll says that there are 10% of Americans who say they do not believe in God. Mm. So the numbers are kind of all over the board. Um, worldwide, 
uh, it's uh, those who have an absence of belief in God range from 500 to 750 million people worldwide. Uh, 200 million to 240 million self-identified atheists worldwide. 450 to 500 million positive atheists and agnostics worldwide. About 7% of the world population. So I guess somebody would say, well, ah, yeah, that seems like a fairly small amount, but uh, the numbers are growing fairly rapidly, which is is a, a major point of concern. Why do you think that is? Uh, let us know. We'd like to hear from you. Give us a call tonight, uh, 877-381-4567. You have some questions for us to consider. Yeah, earlier today to our update list, we sent out questions uh, on this topic, Is There a God? We asked for your comments. These are the arguments we're going to present, and we'd like to hear what you think about them. Uh, what what are your comments on these concepts relative to the existence of God? Cause and effect, design demands a designer, man's moral nature, the historic tendency of men to worship, and proof from God's specific revelation of himself in the Bible. So at least five lines of argumentation we want to pursue as to why we believe that clearly there is a God. But then another question is, what logical conclusions is a person forced to accept if he rejects the reality of God? In other words, I, if, I, if I'm such a person who says there is no God, I've got to be willing to accept the logical yeah. consequences. Because a lot of, of folks are not wanting to accept the fact that there is a God because of the consequences. So if they deny there's a God, well, that's not free of consequences. Yeah, there's exactly. something to give in turn to that, okay? And then finally, what are some of the things that believers have that unbelievers don't have? And I'm talking about sort of philosophically or... No, I'm not, I'm not talking about material things that you put your hands. I'm yeah. talking about what do we have okay. by way of things that we that we grasp uh, mentally, emotionally, and so forth. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Anthony, uh, to my question, yeah. it seems uh, that we are seeing an increase uh, of those who are denying the existence mm-hmm. of God. Any ideas as to why you might think that would be in the society we live in today? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I think I was thinking about that as you asked it. I hadn't really put a lot of thought into it, but I think there could be a lot of factors. I think historically we've seen that the more prosperous a, a people is, uh, the more apt they are to forget God and leave God. I think even in the biblical uh, scriptural yeah. evidence backs that up. Yeah, and I was thinking of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7, beginning, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of, of water and fountains and, and, and depths uh, that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive oil and honey, a land where thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and of whose hill they may dig brass. It goes on and on and talks about all the blessings. But it says, uh, when thou hast eaten and art full, thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes by commanding you this day. Uh, uh, and it goes on it's, it's in verse uh, um, 17, and thou say in my heart, my power and my might uh, and of my hand has gotten me this wealth. Right. Uh, the, the, and the children of Israel did that. I mean, we can see that. They begin to deny God and to forget God. Uh, is that the, some of the cause of, uh, of what we have today? I think I think that's very likely a, um, a root cause of, or certainly a high contributor to this idea. I don't need God. I'm pretty, I'm taking care of myself. I've I've got everything under control. I don't. But but what that goes to is an underlying assumption that God was invented by men as a crutch uh, uh, to explain what was unexplainable. 
and and to sort of shore that shore men up emotionally when they were experiencing hard times. But we've we've advanced so far now, and we've got it so well figured out that we don't need this crutch that was invented by ancient men. We're on our own. I think there's some of that kind of thinking going on. Well, I think, you know, we got, we live in a technologically advanced society, and um, well, there's lots of innovations and, uh, and things that men are discovering. I think it's adding to that ego and, and that thinking that we don't need God. And in fact, we could even think of something better than God. We can, you know, we can come up with this ourselves. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, verse 22, expressing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And it goes on, it talks about that, enumerates those evil sins that they got involved in. But there were some folks who were lifted up in their own in their own yeah. mind and their pride, and I think that's a lot of what we're seeing today as well. I was, I was going to go there too, because if you, you know, we, the first point we made is, well, times are good, I don't need God, and, you know, Times may or may not be good depending on who you are. I mean, if you look at our economy, I'm not sure if you looked at the economic stats. It's probably it's not like we're in the most prosperous time, and we, we've had the whole Great Recession. We've had some economic trouble. We had the housing bubble burst a few years ago and all of that. So I think the difference, as you uh, allude to, is is technology, and namely these little phones that we that we have, and it's distracting people. And giving people, um, you know, a false sense of, of security and ego, like you talked about, you know, so much of what we use our this technology for, this social media stuff, is to is to to cultivate and and portray a certain image of ourselves, and we get very self-involved uh, and self-centered through that, uh, potentially at least. And uh, I think that's just distracted people from what this is all about, and it allows them to. Uh, allows them instant access to distraction. I mean, you've got it right there. You can be put all your cares aside and be in this digital world, and uh, I think it's you know it's a dangerous thing. It yeah. is. Yeah, we've talked about that before, and probably need to talk about it a lot more. But I, I, I would just when you're out in the public, it's it's almost shocking how everybody is looking down at their phone when they if if they're if they're Sitting still for a moment, they've got their phone out. They're not interacting with other people. Uh, it, it, it really, I think, it's becoming an incredibly dangerous thing in our culture. But, but that's a topic for another day. Yeah, lest we all start but, to act like old fogies here. But, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but no, I agree. And I think one of the problems with the technology is the the atheist and those who wanted to question God are using that to get that message out, and especially in front of young people, and to just barrage them constantly with. Uh, these thoughts and these ideas that well maybe there isn't a God. That's exactly where I was going to go as well. It's not just the distraction factor and the ego factor, but it's actually an information like mega T1 cable trunk going right into your brain, and you know all these news feeds and and all this stuff that is pumping subtly trying to erode your faith. Absolutely. And so. Yeah. The, the, the challenge is for us to keep our, our minds pure and uh, and focused on God. And, and again, I would stress that uh, I, I doubt that we if if there are any atheists listening tonight, I, I probably would be surprised if they are great. They do what, listen to the program. You check our iTunes reviews, and there's a one by an atheist there who says he likes to listen to the program. Good. She, so. I hope they will listen and think about what we have to say. But I but even beyond that, I think we've got to make sure that we have ourselves and especially our our young people grounded in the reality of God 
based upon evidence, this is not some crazy blind leap of faith, but there's evidence to support the conclusion. It's very logical and reasonable to believe in God. It's not like we just uh, have foolishly or gullibly swallowed a, a, a line from somebody who was before. We have looked at the evidence and we've, can, we've become convinced that it is more reasonable to believe in God than to not believe in God. All right. We're about to, we're going to get to that uh, discussion. We want to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Some evidences and some reasons why uh, we believe there is a God. The first thing that we that we suggested as an argument is, is simply called the cause and effect argument. Uh, and, and, and very simply stated, every effect demands an adequate cause. Okay. Uh, and if we, when we see something, we we assume that something caused it to be so. For instance, we could talk about this desk that we're sitting behind. It's here, and and just we we would not assume that it just happened by chance that that it came together on its own. We would say somebody who knew what they were doing built this desk. We actually know the guy who did, but. If we did, even if we didn't, if we walked into a room for the first time and saw a piece of furniture, we would immediately know that someone made that, that right. that was produced by someone. It, it, it's here. It's, an, it's, a, it's a visible effect. Therefore, there must have been something that caused it to be so. Uh, and and so, so simple cause and effect is a line of reasoning that suggests there had to be some power that produced the universe. The, the universe is here. It's an obvious effect. What caused it to be so? And and really, when you think of it, there's only three options as to the existence of the universe. One option is that it's eternal. It's always been here. Mm-hmm. Another is that it's not eternal, but it created itself. The third option is that it's not eternal, but was created by some power outside of itself. Okay. And and so we can sort of go through the those are the only three options that are available, and, and we can go through those and sort of by process of elimination. Yeah, and you're not arguing for the God of the Bible here at this point. No, you're just no. arguing for the fact that uh, there's some being that had to have a cause here. Yeah, let's we're going to be up against the break. But let's rule out the first thing. Let's 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 explain that even scientists acknowledge that the universe is not eternal; that it has not always been here. And, and some scientific proofs of that would be, for instance, the decay of radioactive elements. Uh, Dr. James D. Bale said there is in nature, there are in nature radioactive clocks, so to speak, such as thorium and uranium. One half of each mass of these materials decomposes every so many years and one half of them in so many years and so on. But such radioactive elements still exist and are still disintegrating. They have not been disintegrating forever since in an eternity they would have already decomposed. And so he's arguing from the from natural occurring radioactive elements in our universe. If the universe were eternal, they would have all decayed. There would be no radio because they're going they're, they're losing radioactivity constantly. We know, we we know and can measure the half-life of these radioactive elements. But the fact that there still are significant quantities of radioactive elements would be one kind of proof, scientific proof. The universe hasn't always been here. So Eliminate that as a possibility. So we've only got two possibilities. Right. Either the universe created itself or some power outside of the universe created it. And, All right. And so uh, we'll, let's look at those when we get back. All right. We'll get those when we get back, and we'll get your comments as well. Pretty quiet in the chat room. 
Uh, let us know what you think. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ in the religious world today. You tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The best preparation for tomorrow is to make proper use of today. It is a sad religion that is never strong except when its owner is sick. Honor is better than honors. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. You can't do much about your ancestors, but you can influence your descendants enormously. If you think of this world as a place intended simply for your happiness, you might find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place of training and correction, and it's not so bad. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about arguments for the existence of God. We're looking at the fact that their cause uh, demands, an, or effect demands a cause, uh, and that, well, if the earth is here, and uh, that's the the effect, then what was the cause? Either the, the earth and matter is eternal. We've talked about the fact that there is ample evidence of that, and no one would deny that. Uh, and so there's two other uh, possibilities. One of the other possibilities is that the, the universe created itself, but that would force you to the conclusion that something came from nothing. And again, that's logically not not satisfying to us, right, Anthony? Right. I mean, we the, you know, it's not observable i mean this sort of this idea of spontaneous generation of life or, or matter for that for that matter is simply not observable it's just it, and it's it's not that, that would be false if 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 you suggested that in a scientific lab you know so we're we're in this lab setting and someone said you know that right there just happened it just came about and it was there wasn't anything there and suddenly there was something there all the scientists in the room would run you out of there right. because they said that's not possible. Yeah, go check him in the loony farm or something. No, nothing comes from nothing. But he says, but if you were to say that about the Earth, oh, there's just a big bang in it, and it, and it was here. Oh, you're so wise. Yeah. Oh, you're enlightened one. You've come up with a great explanation here. There's just simply not any known process by which matter could generate itself. Yeah. And so, the universe is not eternal. There's no there's no mechanism for matter to create itself, and so the only alternative is that the universe had to have been created by some something, some power, that 
existed before it did, is superior to it, diff, of a different nature. And actually, uh, we believe that that uncaused first cause is God. No, no, get this. Everybody, everybody has to finally come back and say there was something that is without cause. Something, ex- something existed. The atheist has to say it was the material universe. Matter, yeah. We say it was God. Which one makes better sense? Yeah. Well, the, the reason we think God makes better sense there is because we observe the material universe, and 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 the and the idea that that matter creates itself is just simply not there. It's not observable, not provable. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. I'm about to say the thing, that about. Uh, our guest in the chat room. I don't know if they, if they exist. It's not provable. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Come on, get in here, guys, right. and talk to us. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the the New Testament makes this argument in Hebrews 3, verse 4. Every house is built by some man, yeah. but he who built all things is God. Hebrews 3, verse 4 says, you're driving down the road. So you've been driving down this road. You, you've gone down this way lots of times, but it's been a good while since you did. And so you're driving down this road again, and up on this hillside, there's a house there. It wasn't there before. What do you assume? You assume somebody made that. Somebody built that house. Yeah. It didn't happen on its own. And so, again, we're not, at this point, we haven't even tried to argue for the God of the Bible. We're just saying, what does your logic dictate to you about the existence of the physical universe? All right. Uh, 5522 is waiting for some intelligent design in the chat room. Well, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're looking for some comments as well. Uh, all right. Uh, what, what's some other proofs of, uh, uh, let's go look at uh, Kent's email first. Uh, by cause and effect is uh, the evidence we have. He says there must be a cause to bring about an effect. Our universe must have been caused by an uncaused cause. Only existence of God as the uncaused cause can bring about the effect of our universe and its intelligence life. Uh, such, therefore, proves that God exists. Thank you for that, Kent. Well, it, I, I might clarify. It, it proves that there must be some power that is external to the universe. Yeah, okay. Uh, again, it wouldn't prove that the God of the Bible exists, but it proves that there's some power that's that's external to it. Yeah, and I would say I think we're going to get here next. Not only is there a, a power, but I think what we're going to get into now is that it's an intelligent power. So, uh, and, and we can talk about that more. But uh, as we talk about the idea of design, uh, demanding a designer. Yeah, and again, that that I think both these arguments are really closely tied together. But not only is the universe here, but it's just absolutely chock full of all kinds of evidence of, of design. Anthony, you were said you were uh, watching some information on that this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. I think if, uh, you know, we could take multiple programs to go through it, and I, I can't articulate all this stuff that I was listening to perfectly today, but but as you, you know, in the, in the sort of the macro world, the big stuff that we can see around us, it's obvious, you know, when you see a bird or a tree and you observe all the intricate systems and the way that it interacts with, with uh, you know, the air and the soil and the water and all that stuff, it's, it's a perfectly made machine, essentially, and you have to think, wow, that, that could not have just happened by accident or by, by chance, by mutation, whatever. But if you, and we don't want to get way off into this, but if you keep going back, so you can see design in big things, but the more... 
that we delve into uh, sort of nanobiology, the smaller and the more detailed and intricate we get, we see even more and more design. The smaller we get, it's fascinating within the cell. You know, we think of the cell as this tiny thing, but within the cell there's even tinier things that are these amazing engineered little little factories and little machines. It's just it's unbelievable. So um, you know, and and the DNA itself is really a you know a code. It's a code language. It's it's even you know digital in some aspects you could say. And when you get down to that level, somebody had to write that code. It didn't happen on on it. Well, but the the explanation is that there was an explosion, <clears throat> and and all this matter that we see was put together in some uh, intelligent way, and then. That matter got itself together and made life and made all those uh, those systems that you, we, you see under the microscope. It's just it's just crazy and uh, that anyone would accept that. Right. And if you go to the if you if you stick with the theory that we're going to explain what we see today by observable uh, processes that we can see around us and sort of the back to the cause and effect thing. Uh, the only thing that could cause all of this intricate, uh, complex order is is an in, a mind, an intelligence. If we look at today, if you're writing, if you want a computer to perform a function, you have to feed it code. Well, where does that code come from? It comes from the mind of the of the programmer. It's the same concept with with life around us. Someone uh, there's there's a, an old argument out there, but it is this design man's a designer principally intelligent. And I think the terminology, the current terminology, is more just simply just talk about intelligent, intelligent design. design. But the, the, uh, an old illustration I heard years ago was uh, so there's an explosion in a print shop, and the result of it was a fully bound set of encyclopedias. Yeah, that's that was lost on a large yeah, majority yeah, of our yeah, audience most of our tonight. People have never seen a bound set of encyclopedias. <laughs> no, but you don't expect order from chaos unless there's somebody who's directing or, the yeah. process. I've heard of a tornado going through a lumberyard and building a neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just it's ridiculous that but that's exactly what these so-called intelligent people are telling us happened is that, that everything got together there was a big boom and out comes what we have now. Yeah, the the Bible argues uh, along these lines, uh, talking about, for instance, the human body, uh, which is incredible. J just a single illustration of God's creative work in in creating man, creating the human body, and all of its intricate workings. In Psalm 139, verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Yeah. And so the psalmist, even so many years ago, could look at the human body and say, that's amazing. Yeah. Isn't it incredible. interesting that we think, you know, going slightly back to what we were saying at the beginning, we think today in our society, in our time, that we're so far evolved. But these ancient men and ancient people had it, were much closer to the truth than we are in our educated uh, you know, minds today. Yeah, absolutely. Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day into day uttereth speech, night into night showeth knowledge. Uh, so the, the argument there is, let's look into the night sky. Look at the, look at the universe. Look at the, look at the clockwork precision of the workings of the heavenly bodies. And uh, again, how, how can we imagine that this is all 
just random chance than that it all came together in such fashion. Kenton, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to read Kenton, Calhoun, Georgia says, the complexities of our universe as well as all forms of life exist upon the basis of intelligent design. Such being the case, intelligent design necessitates that the designer be greater than that which was designed. Therefore, such demands the existence of God. I think that's exactly right. A number of years ago, a fellow by the name of Michael Behe wrote a book called Darwin's Black Box. And basically, it, it was, he was arguing for intelligent design, but he made an argument that I think is really interesting when he suggested that there's a principle called irreducible complexity. So, um, uh, if, you, if you believe the evolutionary model, here the eye is evolving. The yeah. eye. But the optic nerve is there but there's no there's there's nothing to feed it yeah well what would ever what would the evolutionary process do? get rid of that nerve that nerve going nowhere doing nothing we'll lose it but then sometime later the, the eyeball for the elements yeah. of the no he said in order in order to have an eye all of these intricate pieces have to come together in unison right and so he's saying, basically, if you look at all of the all of the operating things, life forms, and and so forth in the universe, there's a there's an irreducible complexity. You can't have this coming along piecemeal, millions or billions of years separated in time from one another. So many of these things have to come together simultaneously. Absolutely. And and he he was saying. Not only is it, was it intelligently designed, but it would have been impossible for it to come about by a, a piecemeal natural process. Yeah, and that's what the evolutionist wants us to think. Oh, well, how did we get to these complex organisms that we see? Well, you, it was just gradual baby steps over millions and millions and millions of gradual baby steps. But you can't get to what we have with gradual baby steps, things like the eye, uh, other, other organisms and functions that we have. Instead of a baby step, I've heard it described as it's like jumping over the Grand Canyon. You get one shot at it, and if it's not right, it, then it all has to start over. Yeah. I mean, it's just impossible that it would work, yeah. uh, but uh, that's what we're being told. I actually think, and, and Anthony and Kyle and I were talking about this earlier, I actually think that, and I, I've been making this prediction some time. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but I think it will. I, I think even atheists, are going to abandon the theory of evolution at some point because there's just too many problems, too many scientific problems with it. It's just not a scientific theory. Uh, it, it, in fact, it's it's anti-scientific in so many of its principles. As they're going to have to, I don't I don't believe that necessarily argues that they'll come to a belief in God, but I think that they're going to have to abandon evolution as the answer to the problem. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. I was just thinking, you know, none of Lest our, our audience say, well, you guys are just a bunch of uh, backwood hicks that don't know anything about science. Uh, all three of us have, have studied science as well as Kyle and, 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 and know, uh, have uh, not just buried our head in the sand here. We uh, uh, understand the scientific principles and scientific method, and uh, and it demands that there must be a God. We're going to get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, you'll get, we'll get your thoughts, hopefully, in the chat room. Oh, there's another one. Uh, 5522, the only one keeping us, my experience, some atheists can't get past the age of the earth. Do we hold too fastly to the 8,000 year age of the earth? Let's talk about that when we yeah, get back. Yeah. All right, thank you for that comment, and uh, don't go anywhere, we'll be back right after this.
Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. They seemed really unfriendly to me. In fact, it would not be a stretch to call them downright rude. There was no greeting when I came through the door. No one offered me help or assistance. They acted like they didn't care if I was there or not. It was clear that they did not value my presence. It crossed my mind that I might never go to that place again. After all, why should I be treated in this fashion? I'll show them, I thought to myself. But then it occurred to me that these folks have what I really need. It would be hard, if not impossible, to find it any other place. I would really only be hurting myself if I decided never to return. Sure, there are some other places that offer some of the same things, but this place has it all. One can come here and find every essential thing. In the end, I finally decided that I would continue to frequent this place because of what they have to offer. And even though there are some things that I would like to see changed, it is still the best place to find what I really need. Maybe, just maybe, I can help them do better in the areas of friendliness and courtesy. Perhaps by saying and doing the right things myself, I will be able to improve the overall situation. But the bottom line is this. What I get here is much more valuable to me than the minor annoyances that I must endure. I'll keep coming back again and again. Where is this place? I forgot to tell you, didn't I? I was talking about that big discount store here in town. You know, that super center of a thing. What? You thought I was talking about the church? Well, if the shoe fits, wear it. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us by visiting our website. If you've never been there, get out there and look at it, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out information about what we believe, what we practice. Listen to the last 12-plus years of the Virtual Bible Study. And uh, you can uh, contact us at any time if you have questions or you disagree with something you've heard. Questions at collegeview.com. Still got some bumper stickers in there, I see. Yeah, we got bumper stickers. Uh, Send us an email with your snail really mail address on. in it and, and help us advertise. We got some oval ones that people have used to put on their um, um, 
Well, what do I call them? Mo- they're, they're, mo- they're, they're, they're Getty tumblers. They're tumblers, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. Um, you know, you might, you might get one for they that. They look good on that. They look good on your car, and they, they, they work. We got some a uh, picture forwarded to us from someone down in Florida who had one of those, and they said they, it got back through us through uh, some friends and family and uh, said, you might know these people. We happen to know these people, but it just shows you that people are watching there on the back of your car. So yeah. get a bumper sticker and yeah. stick it on there and, at least one person will have to look at it on your way to work. So let us uh, help you out with that, or please help us out with that. Send us an email to questions at collegeu.com and ask for one of those bumper stickers. Jacob, in the chat room, we got a, a comment uh, from 5522. In my experience, some atheists can't get past the age of the earth. Do we hold too fastly to the 8,000-year-old age of the earth? That's really not our topic tonight, but... But I think it's a good observation, and I do think that a lot of people just almost roll their eyes and say, you believe the earth is only a few thousand years old? The reason why they roll their eyes at that is because I think they've never considered any option other than what the atheistic scientific community has presented as the as the age of the earth. And, and uh, But actually, if, if if you're willing to consider it, there's... There's a good bit of scientific evidence that uh, the universe couldn't be as old as, as the evolutionary uh, scientists try to present. And you talk about being objective. The atheist is anything but objective in their uh, examination of the evidence. They have to have an old earth. Yeah. There's no way around it. We can have an old earth or a young earth. It doesn't matter. What do the scriptures say? We'll accept it. They have to have an old earth and a very, very old, old earth. Uh, for their theory to have any uh, possibility of being So true. they have to hold tightly to the concept of a very ancient so universe. So all the data that they they uh, in, analyze, they're going to interpret with yeah. that they're, they're uh, objective. It through, they're putting everything through a filter that assumes an ancient right. age for the universe. And right. uh, Again, that's not necessarily our topic for discussion tonight, but uh, I think it, it, an honest evaluation of that question will will at least raise a lot of doubt in, in regards to the idea that our universe... I, I, usually the, the age that that these atheistic scientists will assign to the universe is on the order of 20 billion years old. But you know, back to our earlier point, as soon as you put an age on the, on the universe, whatever that age is, if you say the universe is 20 billion years old, what you just said is the universe had a beginning point. Yeah. And, and back to our earlier question, what began it? Uh, but again, I, I I would just encourage. And I think we have a program in our archives on the age of the Earth. We we did a whole program on, uh, suggesting just some scientific reasons to to consider for a young universe, not an old universe. But I had a I had an article here, Jacob, that talks about the prejudice that exists in the scientific community. This is from J. W. N. Sullivan in a book called Limitations of Science. He says, the beginning of the evolutionary process raises a question which is as yet unanswerable. What was the origin of life on this planet? Until fairly recent times, there was a pretty general belief in the occurrence of spontaneous generation. It was supposed that lowly forms of life developed spontaneously from, for example, putrefying meat. But careful experiments, notably those of Pasteur, showed that this conclusion was due to improper observation, and it became an accepted doctrine that life never arises except from life. So so far as actual evidence goes, this is still the only possible conclusion. But since it is a conclusion that seems to lead back to some supernatural creative act, 
It is a conclusion that scientific men find very difficult to accept. It carries with it what are felt to be, in the present mental climate, undesirable philosophic implications, and it is opposed to the scientific desire for continuity. It introduces an unaccountable break in the chain of causation and therefore cannot be admitted as a part of science unless it is quite impossible to reject it. For that reason, most scientific men prefer to believe that life arose in some way not yet understood from inorganic matter in accordance with the laws of physics and chemistry. You see that? That's what we were just saying. There is this this filter that they look at things through because they they have to exclude the possibility of a supernatural creator and so they have to filter everything through that lens. Yeah, the evidence, Anthony, is just hitting them right between the eyes, but they're not going to accept that evidence because of the of the implications of accepting. Right, exactly. And so, but the implication, I think, you know, this gets to some stuff I was listening to today. But you know, the implications do not discredit the argument or the logic that gets you there. You you have to deal with the implications. You know, deal with that separately, but it doesn't discount. You know, the logic of the preceding argument. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I found some st- statistics um, about scientists who believe and don't believe. It, it says uh, uh, um, scientists are roughly half as likely. This is from a Pew Research study. Scientists are roughly half as likely as the general public to believe in God or a higher power. According to the poll, just over half of scientists, 51%, believe in some form of deity or higher power. That's interesting. If if the scientific evidence against God was so overwhelming, all scientists would not believe in God. You would think. But uh, but over right at half believe that there's some form of deity or higher. 33% of scientists say they believe in God, while 18% believe in a universal spirit or higher power. Now. Uh, you can contrast that with the general public. Ninety-five percent of Americans believe in some form of deity or higher power. So, again, uh, the poll says uh, the poll scientist finds that forty-one percent say they do not believe in God or a higher power. But to me, that's kind of impressive. That although those numbers are pretty high, if it's if the if the scientific evidence is so overwhelming against God. Why are there still better than half of them that believe in God? Uh, yep. All right. 877-381-4567. Your next uh, point to discuss you, was... Well, we asked, how, what are your thoughts about the fact that men have an intrinsic moral nature? To that question, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says the existence of a higher moral law proves the existence of God, the case being that both individual actions and collective actions of society can be deemed as being morally wrong demands a higher law than civil law. The case in point is that the sin of murder, uh, that of the sin of murder, murder would still be wrong even though a given society repudiates the sinfulness of murder. One cannot have a higher moral law without a higher moral law giver. Because a higher moral law does exist, there is an existence of a higher moral law giver. A higher moral law giver is God. Um, and I think uh, what Kent is getting at here is that th- there is no naturalistic evolutionary explanation for a moral law. It, it may be even the one of murder, because murder would have evolutionary benefits. Uh, if that's the, the standard we're going by. 
Jacob, a number of years ago, we interviewed Dan Barker on the Virtual Bible Study. Right. He, of course, he's a, he's a quite, uh, uh, I don't know, what word would I use, belligerent atheist. Uh, he used to be a believer in God and has rejected that now and now campaigns adamantly uh, against God. But I remember in our interview with him asking him to explain how is it that we have come uh, how just from a purely natural uh, naturalistic or evolutionary uh, process how did we come to the point of of this moral nature in men for instance why do we care for our elderly and infirm animals don't do that uh, in the animal world if I'm bigger and stronger than you, I will kill you, and I will eat you. Take all your food and, and maybe eat you too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why do we, instead of that, why do we? So we we have elderly. We care for them. We have we have a sick child, maybe very very seriously ill with 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 uh, a condition that likely will never be resolved. Why do we still nurture and care for that child when the when the He's not going to be beneficial. This child is not going to help the gene pool. This is not going to turn out well. This is the, this is a this is one that we need to destroy because it's an it's an evolutionary failure. No, we care for that. Where did where did that come from? There's no evolutionary explanation for that. Right. Yeah, that almost makes me think of uh, of that idea of eugenics from several generations ago. The idea of let's weed out the bad you know the bad genes. Let's sterilize. The criminals, and so that they can't reproduce, and that that died. Yeah. Why would that? If we're just clumps of matter, you know, just doing, reacting to what our DNA is telling us to do, like an insect or something, then why would we have rejected this idea? Yeah. I think the answer that Dan Barker offered, which I thought was incredibly weak, is, well, I do that now because I want someone to care for. Well, I care for an older person now because there's a social benefit. I hope that I'll be cared for when I'm older. Why don't lions think that way? Yeah. You know, why don't tigers think that way? Why don't sharks think that way? Here's an old shark. I'm going to take care of him because when I'm an old shark, I want to be someone, some shark to take him. That doesn't make sense. Uh, th that would never, that would never have come to pass. This m intrinsic moral nature that man possesses. Would never have existed, given that just a naturalistic or evolutionary process brought us to where we are. A couple more that you mentioned uh, that uh, I think we can squeeze in here before our last break. The historical tendency of men to worship. Every society that's ever been discovered, every civilization of men, has had uh, has had some record of worshiping something higher than themselves. Now, again, not an argument for the God of the Bible which we think is the one true God, but uh, man is a worshiping being. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all archaeologists and uh, uh, anthropologists would would acknowledge that reality. And Kent says humanity has always been the tendency, has always had the tendency to worship something or someone. Such necessitates that humanity has been proceeded, appropriated as worshiping beings. This is verified in Romans 1, 19-25, the passage we looked at earlier. Therefore, such also gives evidence of having been uh, procreated by God, which implies the existence of God. Thank you for that, Kim. And then one more before our break. Well, we know we have proof of God by virtue of the fact that he has revealed himself to us in the Bible. Now, this would go, and we don't have time to dive into all this, but this would go to the fact that not only as, do we look at the universe and look at the creation, as you said earlier, Anthony, in the macro sense and in the micro sense, 
and we know there must be a power. But thankfully, this supreme power has revealed himself to us in the Bible. And all of the proofs that show that the Bible is, is, is a unique, inspired book argues to the existence of God. If we have a book that is supernatural in its nature, it could not have been created by humans, then it demands that it must have been created by God. And so that's the argument there. Uh, Kent says, God has revealed himself in the Bible. We can ascertain this by its basic message of redemption from sin, the fact that scripture, the scriptures contain no contradictions, historical and scientific accuracy with ultimate pr- uh, proof provided for us in fulfilled prophecy. Such would be impossible without the existence of God. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, an atheist, let's say you were trying to convince an atheist that, that there was an intelligent design. Let's just get them to the point of intelligent design. Well, then they, their next step might be, well, you know, how do I know that it's the, the intelligence is the God of the Bible? How, why, why couldn't it be Buddha or Muhammad or the Hindu gods? Or some or, aliens out there. Yeah, or... The, what, the flying spaghetti monster? Yeah, uh, you probably, yeah. I think Dan Barker probably threw that out, and I actually have a coworker who, who likes to invoke that name. Uh, but, uh, but the answer is, as you guys just said, it's if you start comparing and lining all those things up side by side, the Bible stands out as a clearly unique book and has its own unique internal and external evidences that say this is the only logical you know explanation for that all right we're gonna get a break and go go back we've got a couple more points you want to talk about the logical conclusions one has to accept if there is no god and uh and then some things that a believer has that an unbeliever doesn't we'll get those on the other side don't go anywhere we're back right after this after these important messages we'll be back to take your comments email them during this break hello my name is trent haynes i'm a member of the college view church of christ in a scanning of the book of Proverbs, it provides us several reasons to discipline our children. To show you don't hate them. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Chapter 13, verse 24. To give them hope, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Chapter 19, verse 18. To help them for a lifetime, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Chapter 22, verse 6. To chase away foolishness. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 22, verse 15. To save his soul, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Chapter 23, verse 13 through 14. For your own comfort, discipline your child, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Chapter 29, verse 17. Understand these passages. So too should our children. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Fewer than one in four Americans, 24%, now believe that the Bible is, quote, the actual word of God and is to be taken literally word for word, unquote. Meanwhile, 26% view it as, quote, a book of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man, unquote. About half of Americans say that the Bible is the inspired word of God, but that not all of it should be taken literally. That information is via gallup.com. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy 3, beginning verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. Uh, 5943 has asked us a question here in the chat room. I don't know. We'll get to see if we got any comments. A bit of uh, 
difference question. What are your thoughts on presuppositional apologetics versus classical apologetics? No worries if you don't want to go this direction on tonight's program. I don't know if I've got to... I may have to explain to me what the, the difference yeah. is. I, I assume that presuppositional is that, in other words, you're approaching the study of apologetics based on a, a presupposed result. In other words, I assume there is a God, therefore I am looking at everything through a lens. Can I prove? Can I can I prove my presupposition yeah. rather than just coming to it with an open mind and say, yeah. does yeah. the evidence? caused me to come this direction. Yeah. Sort of sounds like proof texting. We might yeah, talk yeah. about proof mm-hmm. texting when we're, you know. I, but actually, I don't think it's an invalid approach. But but again, to to our program tonight, we talk, we really, until this very last point we made, did we begin to argue about for the God of the Bible. Right. We we have been just arguing for a, a supernatural, creative being not necessarily the God of the Bible. You know, cause and effect, design demands a designer, man's moral nature, those things, those don't necessarily say that, that the one who caused it all was the God of the Bible. But when we get to this point that he has revealed himself in, the, in, in his word, then we are talking about the God of the Bible. But I, I really don't think that we've approached this presuppositionally. But again, I don't think it invalidates it because you, know, you think about the scientific method. Uh, uh, someone comes up with a theory, and then they look at the evidence to see if the theory stands or falls. And I mean, so I think it would be okay to come up with there, there is a God, and look at the evidence and say, does the evidence support it or does it deny yeah, it? Yeah, I'm, uh, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not too tore up about that. Yeah, so maybe, uh, maybe we may be on a, we may be on a chasing a, a rabbit there, and going the wrong track from what 5943 intended. But that's. Uh, that's some thoughts there. Okay, number two, you asked. Okay, we asked, what are some of the logical conclusions that one is forced to accept if he rejects the reality of God's existence? And I think this is a, an important challenge to put before people who don't, who say they don't believe in God. Okay, so you don't believe in God, but understand is that that you have to accept if you say there is no God, no superior being, no creator of the universe. Okay, if you believe that then understand then you also necessarily have to accept these conclusions that go with it. And I really like uh, uh, some of the, uh, um, Ken has put together quite a list, and, and I think it's a good one. I'm just going to read it. You have to believe that life comes from non-living matter. Um, in other words, so here's matter. Well, actually, I think he maybe has those out of a little bit out of order. Something comes from nothing. So the universe created itself out of nothing, and then life came from non-living matter. Yep. Uh, I got a quote here uh, from George Wald. He's a, he was a Harvard professor and a Nobel Prize winner, and he said. Uh, Concerning the production of life from non-living matter, here's his quote. Now get this, this is crazy. This talks about, you talk about scientific prejudice. He says, quote, one has only to contemplate the magnitude of this task, that is life spontaneously generating from non-living matter. One has only to contemplate the magnitude of this task to concede that the spontaneous generation of a living organism is impossible. Yet here we are, as a result, I believe, of spontaneous generation. <laughs> he possibly says, I still believe in it. Yeah. You talk about scientific praise. This guy's a Harvard professor, professor and a Nobel Prize winner. And that, I'm telling you, that, 
He's overpaid. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> He's not qualified. That's it's, inc it's an incredible position for someone yeah. to admit, but that's basically what they'll admit, Anthony. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's got to come from from something, and um, you know, they they want to say that you know just chance or or laws of physics and nature, you know, could just come about and arrange all these chemicals in the right order and in the right way to produce life and. Uh, it, it just doesn't hold, hold yeah. up. Let me give you the rest of Kent's list. Life comes from non-life. <coughs> something comes out of nothing. These, these are the things that the atheist has to accept. Order comes out of disorder. The cosmos came out of uh, chaos. Chance produces logical arrangement. There is a design, but no designer. There's effect, but no cause. The mind is produced by matter which is kind of interesting thought. Humanity is no more than rocks and dirt. There is no hereafter. All of those kind of things the atheist has to accept. All right. Thank you for those, Ken. Again, back to the very basics that we started with. You have to accept that the universe is eternal when science itself tells us it is not eternal. All right. So, uh, and then we're just about out of time. Yeah, I'm going to put a challenge in front of you here that's going to be very uh, difficult here, but uh, what, are you, what are some things that the believer has that an unbeliever does not? Well, uh, I would argue and you, uh, that, and I think we got an email from Mohan too, Jay. Yeah, we did a Mohan. This was on number two on the one. Yeah, for if one rejects the reality of God, one is forced to accept conclusions that Jesus was a liar since he claimed to be God. Well, that's interesting. Jesus' resurrection proves that there is a God because he claimed that he was God. And either yeah, so right, one is forced to accept that the Bible is full of lies since it claims to be all inspired by God. All right, so, so those are some things you have to you have to accept. And then he goes on to say, a true believer has security unlike the unbeliever. The Bible says not to be anxious since we can trust God is in sovereign control and will produce or provide all things necessary for us. One who has obeyed the true gospel has the hope of eternal life, which the unbeliever cannot have. Kent says, one who is a Christian has forgiveness of past sins and all spiritual blessings in Christ, being a citizen of the kingdom of Christ and a child of God. To the faithful Lord, the promise of eternal life in heaven. Here's the list I had. If you believe in God, you have a you have a ready explanation for the existence of the universe. Yep. You have knowledge of how such amazing design is found in nature. You have information to show why man is superior to and above all other things in creation. You have a basis for judging right and wrong. Which, by the way, the atheist does not have. I can steal what you got, Anthony, and you, you have no more right to say that's wrong than I say it. I say it's right. I say it's right for me to take what is yours. Right. You say it is wrong, but who's, who can decide that? Mm -hmm. Exactly. The atheist really doesn't have a basis. Right. All right. So I, 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 there, there's a lot of good that we have as believers. And I, I also said we, you know, we have the answer to the life's most basic questions. Where did I come from? Where am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And I think everybody wants to know the answer to those questions. Yeah, and I think our society, if you look around, people are trying to come up with their own answers, especially, you know, why am I here? What, what am I doing here? They, What's my purpose? Right. People, they'll attach to anything. They'll attach to environmentalism. They'll attach to, you know, uh, animal ethics, PETA or whatever. You know, they'll come up with something to fill that void yeah. and to give themselves purpose. And I'm not saying that those causes are bad and those may be great causes, but we see people that will latch on to anything. People need a cause. Right. right. They need something yeah. to live for. Um, and so.
Uh, they're, they're just looking in the wrong places, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we are out of time, um, and uh, it's been a good discussion, an important discussion, because as you mentioned those statistics in the beginning of the program, it appears that uh, there are more and more who are denying. I really do think God. that we we need to spend time with our young people, making sure they're grounded in in. Don't in, think it as an assumption. Yeah, don't assume that, that, that they just they believe and always will. Make sure that they're grounded in these understandings. Yeah, so Anthony, we need to be working with our young people, working with ourselves, and making sure that we're grounded in the faith. Absolutely. You know, we need to be able to tell our children, explain to them logically, you know, what we've gone through basically tonight, and yeah. not just say, well, just believe it because I tell you to. Well, then, you know, we need to be able to, to show and, and not shy away from the fact that it's not just a, a leap of faith, as we talked about earlier. There's actual hard evidence to support that. Either. All right. Nothing out of you tonight, Kyle. Any uh, closing comments? That was a good discussion. I think it's uh, if you're a Christian, you just need to really just you're securing your salvation. That's something that you really just that's prized. If somebody, you can call yourself a Christian, that is something that's that's precious. And that's something that's not a believer. They can't call themselves that. They're, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Thank you, Kyle, for being here. Thank you, Anthony, for helping us out tonight. Good Glad comments to from you. And, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God... Well, it's not next week. Oh, oh we should have Never asked. mind. Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to lay out next week. Thanksgiving Day. once a year. We're going to lay out we'll, next week. We'll, we'll miss next week. We'll see you in two, two, two weeks. Two weeks. And in the meantime, we hope you'll go put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-45 or again 931-381-4567 or for more information on the internet visit collegeview.com Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.